Aloha Maui Nui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkhart, another Solar Coaster Hour. Welcome to the Solar Coaster episode 120. I like that n- number there, Jay. Uh, this is George <laughs> Bai. He's the CEO of Bai Aerospace. Uh, there's uh, He's a really amazing you know, uh, character. Uh, we're going to learn all about his e-flyer today and what's going on with the electrification of aviation. There he is. Jay, you still there, buddy? So uh, we're, one of the cool things about Bi Aerospace, really, is that we're, we're seeing the, uh, the, the first kind of, uh, I would say, first time to have true electrification of, uh, of an airplane. And, uh, you know, as we, we've seen a couple other uh, approaches, hydrogen, there's some hybrid stuff going on out there. But this is the first one, I think, right, Jay, that is actually fully electric. There, there, there are actually a couple people. I mean, there's a lot of people working on the electrification of aviation. Uh, right now, the focus that, that you're probably talking about is is that short uh, last mile to medium medium mile, um, short haul, mid haul, mid haul. Uh, under 500 mile trip. Uh, there have been a lot of, of conversations about this is that a lot of the air travel in this country is under 500 miles. And these are the, the, the like the low hanging fruit in aviation where you can make an aircraft that will be electric, that will fly that 500 mile kind of journey and, and be infinitely cheaper to operate. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of opportunities here in this particular area, and we're going to learn some of the terminology and how to kind of look at this as one component of the uh, the shifting of, of the aviation industry. Also, aviation in general, what is it, you know, what's its contributions to GHGs? We kind of, kind of come from that space, right? So um, we th- we're thinking of, about the different sectors, you know, maritime, aviation, various things outside of simply the power sector. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, we- at- yeah, we certainly do a lot in, in electrification of transportation, but that's because they, it contributes so much to our uh, greenhouse gas, gas emissions. Yeah, we'll globally. take a, hopefully we have a chance to look at that. There's also some amazing stuff going on there in news and events with this Green New Deal, and San- Sanders is talking about that, all kinds of really cool things. Uh, we'll get a chance to, to jump into that a little bit today in our news and events section. You ready to get started, Jay? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, folks, this is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Kauai, 1110 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. Uh, website is www.solar-coaster.com. You can get all our old shows, 120 deep now, did you say? There you go. <laughs> we, just keep, we, we just keep going. Uh, most important thing on the website, of course, is to get on there and submit your questions. If you have a question, a topic, something that you want to discuss with the Solar Coaster, pretty much every page down the bottom has a little mailing list and or question box. Uh, just fill that out and we'll be sure to get your information questions on the air for you. Uh, we're also ca- carried on podcast networks, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all carry the solar coaster uh big news is we finally got our new logo approved just over the uh over this week and we're going to be going through a little bit of a rebranding so although you do see that yellow uh sc logo still uh, that's going to be changing so stay tuned yeah i like this new logo it's a fun one it's really cool stuff so yeah, we got some great um sponsors out there i'm gonna pump this up here the sponsors that have been supporting the solar coaster for uh, quite a long time pantech design sundrum solar and lg chem we had a great conversation with pantech uh this week aj they were doing some really remarkable things in partnership with a whole bunch of companies uh, i think we're going to hear about that and kind of you know big volume out at spi about a month from now in salt lake city yeah, so many things we can't talk about yet. Yeah, I mean, really, really <laughs> great stuff. So uh, thank you to our sponsors. The call-in show, 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. Let's jump over to our Pantech Design Minute. Welcome to the Pantech Minute. Today's feature technology is the ADAPT-powered Crestron control system. Imagine having not only complete control of your home systems on your mobile devices, but also having a trusted voice to make recommendations on steps you can take with your home energy system during inclement weather. Here's how it works. When a typhoon or other weather event approaches, your ADAPT system will contact you through a preset mechanism that you select, like an email or text. You are then presented with options on how to proceed. If this is a serious storm approaching, like we saw here in Maui this last season, your priorities may change considerably at that moment. Knowing which steps to take, and more importantly, how to initiate them may not be top of mind for you. With ADAPT-powered Crestron software looking out for you and your family, you can set your mind at ease. ADAPT will literally ask you, would you like to prepare for long-term grid outage and optimize your home systems across the board? Or is this a false alarm and make no changes to your system settings? 
Or would you like to take a moderate approach, curtailing some loads to have a little extra power on hand, but leaving others unchanged? With the ADAPT-powered Crestron systems, you are in charge of your family's energy security. This has been the Pantech Minute. Contact Pantech Design at pantechdesign.com to learn more today. So there's Pantech doing some amazing things with their smart uh, home, smart energy, uh, home energy automation technology. Yeah, I've heard uh, that there's a version two coming soon. <laughs> right, Adapt. Yeah, there's there's a new version with Adapt, and they're continuing to make. I think that's kind pretty of much pretty much all we can say. <laughs> really great partnerships and some amazing things there. Uh, yeah, actually, just making, just making tremendous product product progress is what I, the word I want to say. Progress. Yes. Yes. Okay. Prog, so prog, <laughs> let's make some progress on this show and get over to our news and events. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, we've been talking. We've been following this. There's a, there's like three or four articles. Uh, China in China's involvement in Brazil. Uh, China has been uh, buying up and and really investing heavily across Brazil's energy sector. Um, they they last year I think they owned about ten percent. But these um, new investments that they're talking about will bring them up to like sixteen percent of wind and twenty one percent of solar capacity uh, across across the nation. Of, of Brazil, um, it's it's really impressive that right now Brazil's energy already comes eighty three point two percent I think was the number yeah, from it's, it's, what they would consider renewable sources. Mm. A tremendous amount of that is hydroelectric. Yeah. Uh, so they've been damming up uh, different very various rivers and turning turbines on that. But they've become under a lot of fire because they're clearing out uh, Amazon <laughs> rainforest. Uh, we've seen the fires out there. Um, yeah, there's a lot going and then on. From in, indig indigenous communities basically being displaced because they build a giant lake. Um, mm. <laughs> so, so, so they're looking at other other ways other ways to do this as, as their energy demand increases. And China's standing ready to help kind of build this out. Yeah, I think it's interesting that China's, uh, you know, investing all this capital into Brazil. And, you know, not only are they making you know, major strides uh, at home in China, but they're also kind of do making this outreach into countries around the world, not just Brazil. Uh, but it's also kind of so it's, it's telling that there's all this opportunity out there and that, you know, this that China's out there actually kind of deploying this technology and owning these assets and buying these existing assets and trying to build this out. Uh, it is uh, it's kind of also, you know, uh, very timely given what's going on with the rainforest. I mean, this is major news. Everyone's talking about the fires and about um, like whole cities like Sao Paulo, which is the largest city in Brazil, to my knowledge, being <coughs> choked by 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 by, uh, by smoke. I mean, we know what it's like to have brush fires. We have one going on right now in Paia, uh, and we're seeing this happen all around the world. So, you know, Brazil's kind of in the news right now. Yeah, the Brazil one's a little larger than Paia, but if you are in that way, uh, do be careful. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to me that they're going out and they really they really do want to own the whole vertical right i mean this is that they're expecting that they're going to be using chinese technologies these these large solar farms and wind farms are going to be built uh by chinese companies installed by chinese companies and then owned by chinese companies so they, they own they own the whole vertical there well, I mean, if you if they're doing if they're able to sell power, then it's a long term, you know, it's like like a long term um, revenue stream, right? So they're going yep. in and providing reliable power to environments all around the world, and that's a probably an amazing investment long term. So it, it's just wild to think that a country could own so much of a of the energy production capability of another country. Um, Is it, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Isn't it a little concerning that um, they that China would own so much of Brazil's energy infrastructure? Well, and then where where does that go? I mean, if you have that kind of influence and leverage, and then you're looking for uh, you know type various kinds of resources, then you certainly have some influence in that environment, right? So uh, um, I would think yeah, so. Yeah, one really, one to watch for one sure. One to keep an eye on. One to keep an eye on. What would you like to jump to next? You want to go right to national and take a peek at what's going um, on with Bernie? We, we, yeah, we kind of have to do. This is going to be a long conversation. Bernie Sanders proposes the huge uh, renewables build out. Um, the other gentleman that dropped out, what was his name? Inslee. Inslee. Yeah, Inslee. Inslee um, dropped out of the race um, on Wednesday evening. Yeah, just happened. And, right? and, Bern, and Bernie Sanders was basically ready with this this massive document to say, nope, I'm going to pick up the torch here and we're going to invest, what, 2.4 to up to 16 is, is estimated. Uh, trillion dollars into renewable storage and and make our country completely carbon free. 
so carbon we, neutral. So this is like a, I think a fourteen thousand word document. We haven't had a chance to read it yet. In all in all candor here, but we, you know, Inslee is what's trying. interesting it's about Inslee <laughs> is that he was trying to make the focus of the debates on CNN, I believe, about climate change, and so he was. Yeah, he's really, calling himself the climate candidate. Right. He was really pushing this. This was a huge. Uh, uh, this was basically his entire platform, and I find that really intriguing. I actually reached out to his press uh, group uh, earlier in the week, just before he had come out of the race, and then of course today we get this data dump kind of thing from uh from sanders i'm excited to dive into this to understand you know um how who created this how how was it created was it created in collaboration with like nrel or some other you know uh it must be some other national groups that have that could that could provide you know a a roadmap for how to potentially do this or is this you know how how political is this versus scientific i'm I'm just i'm 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 not so sure i've 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 read the first i want to say quarter of it and it it doesn't sound like it was prepared by an actual energy industry. It sounds like it was, I mean, he's got somebody internally who actually knows some of the conversation. Uh, there's, there are some concerning things in here right now, and I'm not, I'm not going to speak too much about it because I need to do my research before I comment. Uh, but but there's, some, there's some wording in here that, that really strikes me as... I don't think so. <laughs> well, uh, there's a couple of things going on, and we will uh, just do a show on this specifically, uh, probably in the upcoming yeah. week or two. But uh, you know, talking yeah. about um, entire uh, the entire electric grid being kind of centralized and national, there's, there's some amazing things that are happening in this conversation. So uh, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. that's that's part of, that's part of, that's a big part of it. I mean, grants to uh, purchase electric vehicles, uh, extending basically the 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 um, Obama era uh, vehicle um, trading program. Oh. The yeah, the expending um, electric vehicle interest charging infrastructure like billions and billions of dollars for that. Uh, Four hundred seven billion dollars in grants for states to purchase um, electric bus vehicles for public transportation. There's stuff in here for uh, high speed rail uh, transit. You know, you, you I mean, know, it's just, here's it's the thing: it's obviously the devil's <laughs> in the details with this. Uh, but I am I get I tell you I'm excited to read this for for some obvious reasons, but also for some not so obvious reasons. I think that you know renewable energies the potential of it. Is is so significant, and there's there's so much opportunity for savings and for value creation across so many different levels. But it's but when there's that kind of opportunity, there's also these you know large powerful groups that can come out and kind of scoop that up rather than you know democratize that and give access to many people to be able to enjoy the fruits of that. So I'm excited to see a different kind of dialogue going here. And of course, we have to be really candid about what we read and see, and then talk about this and kind of pull this thing apart. But I can't wait to dig into it. So this is big news, folks. Big big news. Yeah. If yeah, if you if you if you're interested at all, I mean. BernieSanders.com obviously has the full publication. Um, I would recommend trying to sift through some of that, but also check out some of the briefs that are out there. Huffington Post has one. Uh, NBC News has one. And they, of course, have their own spin, but they do uh, distill some of the points down. I will say uh, also uh, Representative Tulsi Gabbard uh, favors another approach. Another approach. She's, she's officially gone on record say, saying that, that she's she's not, not on this one, on board for this one. Yeah, and Warren has something else that's a slightly smaller price tag, and, you know, there's there's going to be different ideas. Um, NBC has a pretty cool article where it shows the different perspectives on the Green New Deal from the different Democratic uh, candidates. Uh, so, yeah, let's just keep an eye on this. On the heels of a big uh, tariff and kind of a trade war update in the last few hours, apparently, too, where uh, we're starting to see uh, the th- threats from, the, um, from Trump saying that he's going actually increase tariffs uh, so for out of China, which of course impacts solar panels and things of that nature. So uh, we got a lot going on here. This is pretty nuts. Um, you want to jump over to Tesla and talk a little bit about what's going on with those guys? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Tesla makes it, they have their own little segment down, don't they? Um, Tesla, <laughs> Tesla will now will will now rent solar panels. So the Tesla has been having a really really hard time with sales. They they tried to cut pricing significantly by basically getting rid of the the soft cost, the sales force, that client acquisition piece that we found out was like more than a dollar uh, per kilowatt for 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 these these systems uh, or per dollar per watt for these systems uh, going and in, installing. Uh, but they really, really didn't get much traction on actual installs. So now they're putting out a new program where you can rent either a small, medium or large system. <laughs> they're all prepackaged. Um, and and put it on your put it on your house and pay Tesla instead for the uh, for the for the, the power. Um, it basically comes out to a wash at about 12 years. It's so once you, a, oh, really? you you could you could have yeah if you if if you were going to buy your solar system and keep it on your house for more than 12 years it would be better 
more and more in your favor monetarily to purchase the system and use it as opposed to. But that um, doesn't uh, include uh, any kind of failure. It assumes it's going to run perfectly fine for that 12 years. And a lot of the warranties end at 10. So you do need to be careful with that. Um, however, however, if you're renting and you do if you do things, I mean, the, uh, these um, there, there are a couple caveats to this. Um, you need to pass all the, the, the tax benefits. Tesla is actually going to take that tax credit. So they want to um, they want to make sure that you your your house and, and everything can can pass for the the actual tax uh, credits. Uh, they have a fifteen hundred dollar um, fee in the initial outlay, which is actually meant to cover the cost of removal and fixing of the roof underneath. Oh, so you prepay uh, that when, when you that? do just so you pre you prepay it. That's correct. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's a thing. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of little, little loopholes in here and you want to be very, very careful. It's not just a flat, Hey, I'm just going to yeah, start paying 50 bucks a month for the small system. It's interesting. 12 years is probably a little bit outside of the typical ROI of a system after tax credits, depending on where you're at. You know, certainly here. Yeah. Well here for sure. But I mean, even in allowing for somewhere like California or other places where it might be a little bit longer, uh, it's 12 years is beyond that. Right. So, and you, and you yeah. see this, Tesla just keeps doing these kind of interesting things. It's, First of all, it calls it renting. They don't call it a PPA mm -hmm. or a lease. You know, we've had leases for years. <laughs> Which is the first thing so, I said. Is it a PPA? <laughs> yeah. Well, a lease and a PPA now, they look the same contractually for the most part. Yeah, and But, you know, a rent, rent is the same thing as leasing, right? So it's like, okay, it's not really a new concept here. Um, they got, they mm -hmm. did it a little differently. I kind of like this idea of small, medium, large, frankly. And I remember designing systems over the years and thinking this is kind of like the notion of, oh, do you need 30 panels or 31 or 29? or It's, it's not like... We, you really, we're modeling off for, uh, after historical usage, and your future usage is going to vary a little bit, right? So there's no way for us to know at that level of precision. Potentially exactly a lot, though. And when you start talking about electric vehicles, that's that's right. what I keep bringing up is nobody seems to really understand what it's going to take when you add all the electric vehicles that we're planning on rolling out over the next five to ten years. Yeah, yeah. Well, why would it, why would anyone have that in their minds? Yeah, at this stage of the game. But I mean, it is going to be significant. And what's neat about this so small, to, medium, but, but large. Five to ten years is the life of your, life of your system. Well, small, <laughs> medium, large gives you the opportunity to say, hey, look, let me just get started with this. And there, and that academic yeah. conversation of, oh, how many exact panels do you need based on your historical usage is kind of foregone. And now we're in a more realistic conversation of, hey, well, I need, I think I need about this. And then from there, you can build out, right? That's the kind of, I, I think, the, the, the implication here. That's pretty cool, too. Or even contract you can say ah well i was a little bit more than i need so i'm gonna get rid of it i'm gonna come down i like that okay, simplicity doing, doing doing that yeah doing that it actually does incur another 1500 dollars charge fyi so it's 15 plus the initial 15 <laughs> if 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 you go if you go down a size you say you put it you roll out the medium but you decide ah, i don't really need the medium i'll just go with the small like a couple years down the road yeah it uh triggers that 1500 dollars charge again I don't see a lot of people doing that, but that's interesting. No, I don't think that. I don't think so. <laughs> Very cool. He's got well, Tesla, and, and, they, and they have and some Tesla's in the news. Yeah. Another thing, another time, they've actually been sued by Walmart now. Um, they are being allegedly uh, fingered for um, causing fires at seven stores. Now, Tesla has and Walmart have been in partnership for quite a long time. Uh, they actually, Tesla has installed all. 240 Walmart stores that have solar systems installed, they are all Tesla systems. Um, and Walmart has also pre-ordered 45 of the Tesla electric semi to add to its fleet. Um, but they're now asking that Tesla remove all 240 installations. They're asking that um, they're point they're pointing out that that Tesla repeatedly um, and grossly negligently sent out people that didn't know what the hell they were talking about. They um, so it's had documentation of obvious gross errors, technical errors that eventually led to these fires, and mm. uh, they're they're shutting down all the systems and their relationship with Tesla. So Tesla stock dropped a bit on that news. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, geez, you know, it, it, quality control is a big thing in the solar industry, and they're especially as you start doing, you know, volume work and you're doing it all across the country. They're they're clearly subcontracting out a lot of that work, and then they they didn't keep an eye on it, and now they're 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 potentially paying a little bit of a price for that. So, um, not necessarily great news for Tesla. Tesla seems to have trouble with solar. It's ironic because it feels like the kind of foundation of the whole conversation for Tesla, but the the solar, not at all. Tesla's all their solar Tesla's is a car company, right? I'm sure it's a timing chronology. I get that, but I mean, it's always about you know. 
you know, power and about changing the, uh, you know, energy and about changing our society, right? Which kind of starts with the idea of solar. And so, you know, to, to think that they constantly have these troubles, I'd like to see them kind of knock it out of the park with whatever they do next. I hope they hope it works out. So, well, they are a t- they are a car company, Jay. You want to talk a little bit about what's going on with this really right, cool a, concept? This this, this is. Yeah, this is a concept, and it actually came from uh, somebody else. It has nothing to do with Tesla, really. Uh, but there's a lovely little um, photo over at, at electric.com. Um, this is the Tesla Miata size convertible based on the Model 3. Um, just It's just an art, artist's rendering of what this thing could look like, what it would be. Um, a the, the, the Tesla Roadster, the next-gen Roadster, is coming, but it's expensive. It's it's more than two hundred thousand um, dollars. It realistically has a, a huge range and doesn't doesn't really need that. I mean, you don't take a little two-seat Roadster on a cross-country journey for the most part. You take it around and and have a good Sunday drive somewhere. Um, so this guy has designed a light two-seater, no more than 50 kilowatt-hour battery pack. It has about 200. That gives it about 200 miles of range, um, and and shows up much more in like the Miata price point. And you're a Miata guy, Jay, right? That's something you've always uh, talked yeah, about over the yeah, years. I, 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 I like the old ones with the pop-up headlights. Uh, but the um, but but and this thing is just crazy good looking. And I and I it's really, really would like to see something like this on the market. Uh, there is a little poll down the bottom and you can fill out whether you like this or hate it. Right now, um, the, the, the the love it is is up at 82.93%. So it seems like everybody who's looking at this thing says, yes, I'd really like to see one of these. Uh, on yeah, the market and we don't and we don't have one yet it's amazing it's amazing well we got a lot of news and events to cover but actually we're just gonna have to jump over to one we were like before we go to our um our commercials there is a, a, a there was a we saw in terms of the electrification of transpo we saw an article about this dump truck right and it said it's kind of a bit of a teaser i don't have it up right now jay but it was a bit of a teaser and it said oh. that it could never it could it would never need to be recharged an electric yeah, the, the, dump world, truck. the world's largest electric vehicle never needs to be recharged and we, of course we immediately went to what's it got like a re- nuclear reactor on board. <laughs> I mean, what is this thing? Well, no, it's a regular EV, but it's one of those giant dump trucks that you see. It would take up the entire highway. Uh, it's really meant for worksite work. It's it's not a normal um, normal dump truck to, that you would see see on regular roadways. However, uh, it's used in um, this this quarry where they they pull out a whole lot of material and then run it downhill and so the regenerative braking with all that mass in the back of the truck actually charges the batteries the whole way down and then it's able to drive itself back up that's crazy um you know it was it was it really it was one of those like almost like puzzles right we were, we were reading reading in the article at least the title of it and i sat there and didn't allow myself to open it up yet i said never needs to be recharged and i sat there and i thought to myself hmm what is it is it a smr <laughs> is it a small modular yeah. reactor is it uh you know is there other solar panels all over this thing what is solar that is panels it? <laughs> all, it's, it's pretty large but right? I mean, they, would, they would get destroyed and the normal <laughs> dump truck use i would think would just absolutely destroy the thing uh but it's absolutely fantastic 110 dump truck, 110 ton dump truck um, carries um, 45 tons um, and and goes down a 13 percent grade. Uh, oh no, sorry, 65 tons of ore. Uh, so so it, it more than double the weights going down the hill, and that's the reason why um, the regenerative braking can charge the batteries. But it seems like a perfect perfect world situation. Somebody actually sat down and thought about this thing and says, you know what, this will work. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, um, hey, Jay, why don't we do a little bit of Hawaii while we get a moment here and before we go over our sure. commercials. So um, we want to talk about what's happening with the tax credit. There's some conversation going on in KITV News about the federal tax credit reduction, but also a conversation to reduce the Hawaii state tax credit for renewables. What's going on there? Yeah. Okay, so so to refresh everybody's memory, the federal tax credit is 30% till the end of this year, uh, and then it staggers down 4%, 4%, and then it disappears in 2022 uh, for residential solar. Um, there, there's also a 35% tax credit from the state, and that that's what really, really adds up to a significant amount of savings and, and great ROI in the state of Hawaii. Um, however, there is uh, a kind of – there's no there's no sunset date for the Hawaii tax credit, but there's a lot of conversation. Uh, George Wakai um, in the ledge has has said over and over that, that we need to get rid of this solar tax credit. Uh, we can't add things like batteries and everything, and it's too much of a hemorrhage of of 
from from our coffers. Um, I, I think that's an unbelievably um, short-sighted attitude. <laughs> yeah. The, who's this fellow again? Uh, George? George said? Wakai. George Wakai. I don't actually know him, but the I haven't heard of him. Um, yeah. Th- so if we were to remove the 35% state tax credit, what kind of impact would that have for us? I mean, right now we're at a time where um, the 30% setting down to without intervention to 26%. So we're going to lose 4% in the next year, right? Uh, yep. And then the 35% on, on commercial, that usually gets fully exercised. You're able to fully take advantage of that for the most part in commercial. Mm-hmm. But it, and there is a cap, of course, uh, but it's just, you know, the commercial system gets sized accordingly to kind of take advantage of that fully. But on the state side, you get capped, you know, a, a bit. So it doesn't always fully uh, equal 35%. But there was a number in here, something like it was costing uh, the state. Eight- $85 million last year. Yep. $85 million. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, here's the thing. We're trying to hit 100% RPS right now. We just, last night, the actual phase two RFP came out directly approved uh, by the PUC. Some uh, some, some updates in the favor of bidders, as I understand it. Um, so we're not in a place, okay, we're not in a place where we're going to be able to, uh, you know, stop this train. We really need all the all the ammunition we can get to be able to uh, hit that 100% renewable energy mandate. So I don't know it's a good time to be doing this. For commercial, for utility, for residential, it seems like it's kind of a bit short just like you said, Jay. Yeah, and he said, well, he specifically says that it's it's too much money coming out of our coffers, and that if we ratchet down the solar, then we could maybe offer incentives for battery storage or stuff. No, just add battery storage <laughs> to the existing incentive. There's okay, we looks like we got can't do that. Looks like we got our call from from George. So we're gonna head over to our um, our commercial break. Come back with George Bai from uh, Bai Aerospace. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels, as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Rezu battery. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors. Thanks so much to uh, them for keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. We're very fortunate today to have uh, George Bai, CEO of Bai Aerospace, uh, here with us on the solar coaster. George, can you hear us okay? Yes, I sure can. How about me? Sound perfect. Sound perfect. Yeah, thank Excellent. you. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to speak with us. I got to tell you, uh, George. Uh, you know, I was reading through your your bio and your your background and stuff, kind of more this morning than than earlier in the week, and getting a handle on uh, who you are and, and and everything you've done. And I realized that you created a lot of cool planes. One of them that I, I I probably sat around and just daydreamed about, you know, years back when you were working on that javelin, and I didn't know that was your baby. And so when I saw it, I thought, oh, I'm gonna get to get talk to the guy that made the javelin. So it threw me off for for quite a bit, you know. Well, excellent. Thank you. It is a very special airplane, and I go back, of course, to my Air Force days as a engineer by training, but as an Air Force pilot, I flew the T-38 for many years, Northrop T-38, uh, which is the advanced jet trainer, and, of course, was inspired years later uh, to create the Javelin, the next generation of an advanced transonic aircraft. And uh, the the dreams of many, I think, were captured in that that opportunity. 
Oh my goodness! And uh, do you do you have a javelin? I, this could easily go off the rails here, uh, <laughs> George. <laughs> do you well, have one bit, floating around? <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit off talk, a yeah. bit off topic. But uh, yeah, since 2008, uh, we've been focused on electric mm-hmm. and all things electric. And the javelin, uh, unfortunately, didn't didn't make it through the Great Recession as many aviation projects and programs, gen- general aviation. In particular, was was devastated over that time frame, right. like many other industries. Right, right. Well, we are we are here to talk about the E Flyer and about bi aerospace and about all the things that you're doing, which are really exciting. Now, that uh, I understand that you launched the uh, E Flyer two seater at Oshkosh this year. Uh, is is that correct? And how did it go? Or where is it at in its process right now? Yeah, the E Flyer has been flying with the uh, production motor from Siemens. Uh, since the Oshkosh time frame, as, as you point out, we were very proud to announce the progress of the airplane. The ongoing uh, flight test was validating all of the, the performance pairs. In other words, the pairing of the energy uh, required by the electric motor and the resulting uh, speed or performance from the airplane validated the whole design, the efficiency and economy, uh, the, the use of uh, so many kilowatts of energy to, to fly a certain speed, uh, was validating the, the business plan, the use of the airplane as a trainer, its great efficiency and economy, and of course, no CO2 produced in the entire process. It's amazing because I don't think that the electri- that people are aware that a plane right now with current technology can be electrified. I, when I talk to people, it's kind of a, oh, really, that's possible? So I, you've been spending, you've been working on this, I, I just heard you say, since 2008. So has it been a, you know, like a, a decade-long-plus process to figure out how to electrify a plane? Well, you could say yes and perhaps no. Uh, the, the industry and the, the technology was not ready 10 years ago. Uh, most certainly it was very much uh, in its infancy. Uh, the, the motors were quite large and heavy. The, the batteries were quite heavy at the time. Uh, to some, of course, they still are relatively heavy. But over 10 years, they've made those key technology components have made remarkable progress. And so when we first flew an electric airplane, we converted a Cessna 172, which mm-hmm. is kind of a standard, you know, training plane, to electric propulsion. But we only we only had about a 15-minute flight time because of the weight mm-hmm. of the batteries uh, primarily. But we could see, and this is the key thing: we could we could forecast, we could see the technology trends, and as we made preparation for each new generation. Uh, of capability to emerge, the possibility of a research project having uh, an outcome in the market that was meaningful became more and more real. And of course, today uh, we have a fantastic market opportunity with the eFlyer, which is a purpose-built design, well, what purposely is- taking uh, taking into account all the advantages of electric. Beautiful. It's very exciting. You know, we did have another company on about a, uh, let's see, maybe six months ago or a little bit less than that, Ampere, and they're doing a hybrid uh, presently, and they're looking to test that hybrid. I think it's a, uh, what was the name of the, you remember the name of the plane, Jay? It's kind of escaped me right now. But It's a Cessna 337. Cessna yeah. 337, and uh, that was pretty exciting. Uh, it, was, it was the first first foray that we had to start to talk about uh, the opportunity, the electrification of aviation. Of course, that's a hybrid, um, uh, you know, varietal. So what are some of the opportunities in aviation in general? You, I guess there are different companies that are do, maybe have slightly different approaches to this. Uh, I, I, the way I look at the e-flyer with the little that I've been able to read and kind of understand and digest is that you're focusing in on the training component and also maybe the short haul component between a certain amount of range. Uh, where does this fit into the bigger picture of aviation? That's absolutely right. The entry point for all of us, of course, is becoming a pilot. And the pilot training is a very, very important initial role that airplanes, training airplanes in particular, uh, you know, complete and provide. The training fleet of airplanes today is 
50 years old. It, it literally averages 50 years old, which is, I mean, it's hard to comprehend that, but they were all made back in the 60s and the 70s and the early 80s and now are becoming uh, so old that they're very nearly obsolete. So the opportunity to replace this aging fleet of trainers is an important opportunity for electric bringing all the features and benefits of very, very low-cost operations with electricity together with a new higher-tech display systems, instrumentation, the lighter weight and strong composite materials, and of course the new aerodynamics, all together provide a new technology entry to replace these aging trainers. So does what it, that's okay? That's that's huge. So does that? Do you see that impacting the entire training market? I mean, it must, especially if Indeed. we're looking at reduced costs. Uh, I mean, it could completely and change the way people We already have a significant pilot shortage, right? I mean, that's that's what everybody exactly. keeps telling me. Exactly, and and it's growing worse uh, day by day. Uh, we are training between five and seven thousand new commercial pilots per year. We need to be training about eight times that number, Oof. according to Boeing. Eight times that number. So there's an opportunity yeah, I've, I've here. Seen a program, I've seen a program in Japan, just, just so everybody knows that. Oh, we lost Jay there. So there's an opportunity here, uh, it looks like, um, to be able to bolster the overall pool of people that are learning to fly, encourage them to do that, make it more affordable, make it more kind of finely tuned. Is that what we're seeing, uh, George? It, exactly. So the two-seat E-Flyer 2 is specifically designed for that pilot training role. Robust landing gear, instrumentation, layout, cabin size, the aerodynamics, all designed around that specific pilot training role. And, of course, electric aviation, uh, with some limitations to flight endurance, is an ideal fit for training where you have a typical training flight only about an hour long, hour and a half. So it's a nice synergistic fit of capability and requirement. Uh, very exciting stuff, you know, very exciting stuff. And then, so, you know, of course, from our perspective, one of the things we think about, uh, uh, George, is we're looking at electrifying these planes. And then we're, uh, we also, we, th we tend to think in different sectors uh, of the, this new energy economy. We think about maritime, we think about the power sector, we think about agriculture. Now we're talking about aviation. Do what, what, is this the beginning of a complete shift in, uh, in the way uh, planes are fueled? I mean, do you see this going, it, working in different, uh, is commercial gonna be uh, affected? Are, 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 yeah, what's, what's, what, what do you see happening in the next decade or so across the board? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It is, it's not just a differential, it, it's a disruptive new technology. The, the electric energy costs about $3 per flight hour. $3 and per flight hour? And that's contrasted with about $50 per flight hour oh. of aviation gasoline. Oh my goodness. So, that's what I'm going to say, that's, that's avgas. What about Jet A? <laughs> yeah, not much different. Jet A is a little less expensive. Uh, but, of course, it's used in turbine aircraft, which fly so much faster that the time horizon to achieve that technology is, uh, you know, not 10 years out, but, but perhaps more like 20 years out. That's why Ampere sure. is taking the hybrid approach, where there's a combined benefit of the conventional propulsion and the electric propulsion to achieve uh, a little bit more capability with a with larger payload. So uh, a tip of the hat to, to Ampere in kind of building a bridge from yeah. today's technology to tomorrow's uh, opportunity. In the training and short distance uh, aircraft markets, all electric is possible today. And that's what right. we're doing with E-Flyer 2 for training and E-Flyer 4 for that short distance air taxi. So when you think about aviation, George, do you think about uh, short uh, training area, like you just said, air taxi area, then long, like mid mid range uh, flying, and then long? What are the basic groups that you think about? That's right. So you have the training market, the short haul uh, air taxi market, and that would include, you know, uh, cargo as well as people, uh, other other kinds of private. Uh, pilot flying and business aircraft flying, but relatively short distances. 
And then another circle, uh, which is where Ampere uh, fills, is a longer-range, heavier payload mm -hmm. airplane. Uh, again, a little bit more of a, a regional uh, capability with more people, and th that fulfills kind of the commuter gotcha. transportation okay. uh, niche. And, and then eventually, of course, that'll go to electric, and you'll see the uh, further reach, you know, five and ten years out, where, where you can increase that capacity and that speed with a larger and heavier aircraft. So do you see it um, uh, finding its way to commercial, uh, you know, jet travel in the, in the future? Is, it, is, that, is that possible? It, yeah, jet, jet, electric jets uh, are farther out. Now, saying that, there's research on the megawatt-size electric motors. There's research on high-voltage systems that would be required to wow. support uh, a megawatt uh, type of electric motor for propulsion on a on an airplane of that size and speed, but that is really again that's ten plus years away, right. um, and we need a generation and probably two generations of battery technology, the high voltage systems, mm -hmm. and those megawatt size motors to all achieve some further advances before that's possible. Very exciting, very exciting stuff to even be able to talk about that scope, right? Um, what, what, you know, from, the, from our perspective, being in this kind of new energy economy conversation every week, uh, we're, we're really interested in the idea of being able to, you know, use renewable power to, uh, to, to, to fuel these, these planes. And do you see a time where we have solar uh, farms next to airports and they're taking care of not I, only I the energy needs, I see those needs, already. But, Every time right. I take off, I well, see, oh, there's solar. It, it, exactly. <laughs> they, some of that is in, in existence and starting to emerge, uh, obviously to support the hangars and the uh, facilities on airports, but very soon to provide chargers and superchargers with the energy they need to uh, fly our electric aircraft. So very, very exciting uh, potential off-grid airport operations to uh, transport people and cargo with, with absolutely zero impact from the grid and uh, zero CO2 contributed to, uh, to the environment. We um, thank you for that. We we're, we are uh, thinking about the overall GHG contribution of different sectors in our economy. And when we think about aviation, I, I want to say it's like three percent of global GHG. Does that sound about right to you guys? I think it's slightly less. I think it's about two percent, but it's still significant. Yeah, and 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 yeah. if and with, I guess we could see a scaling up of that if we didn't have an alternative path, right? So this is a, an important piece of the puzzle, and very exciting to see. Uh, Jay, did you want to pose a couple questions to George? Got you there, Jay. Oh, maybe not. All right. So well, let uh, me let, uh, let me jump in real quick on yeah. that particular topic, uh, just real fast. There, there's about three slightly over three pounds of CO2 produced with each pound of avgas consumed. Mm -hmm. So it's about 3.1 to 1. Of course, the combustion of avgas is combined with the oxygen in the air, and the, the combined result is the CO2. So a typical flight training school, like we would see in most communities, maybe 20 or 25 airplanes would be on a little bit larger size of flight school. They produce almost 5 million pounds of CO2 per year. 5 million, 5 pounds, million CO2. pounds of CO2 per year as a result of the, con the avgas consumed and combusted uh, in flying their airplanes. And, mm -hmm. and of course, electric uh, significantly contributes to the reduction or elimination of um, that CO2 from, from aviation gasoline. It's pretty exciting to nice. think this is probably this is possible right now. There you are, Jay. Did you want to jump in, buddy? Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, just real quick. So I was talking about um, obviously having generation facilities at the airport, um, but even if uh, we, we've done the math on air for electric vehicles where you're still um, contributing less by running electric vehicle even today uh, even if even if the generation is off-site and even if it's fossil fuel based do you have any information on on exactly how much uh, 
CO2 is, is contributed by charging the airplane from an off-grid coal plant, an on-grid coal plant, as opposed to um, running typical avgas. Well, I guess that's I mean. a great that's a great <laughs> question. Of course, the large <laughs> grid-based uh, energy production is much more efficient than a internal right. combustion engine on a individual airplane. And in, as we all know, the the way energy is produced varies from from region to region. Uh, parts of Europe are now surpassing the 50% mark from renewable sources. Um, the, you know, the U U.S. Uh, of course is making great great progress, but some of it's still coal or gas-based. Uh, some of it, happily, is is uh, hydroelectric, wind, and even uh, solar is coming along uh, in the in the desert southwest. So. Great progress is being made, but the unique opportunity on airports is that we have relatively large hangar facilities and lots of open ground by necessity, of course, with the runways, with the long runways needed. So there is a, a kind of a fun opportunity to more aggressively advance the solar contribution to the, the kind of the microgrid if you will, of our various airports. Oh, yeah. And this is mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. a nice combination with electric aircraft. You know, keeping on that theme, uh, I'm looking at your uh, georgebuy.com website and, and some of the, in the machines section, and I see we're going to just jump over to the Strato uh, Air Net, which looks like a UAV, uh, and, but I notice that you have half-cut solar, solar cells all along the wings, which I assume contribute to longevity of being able to fly that uh, amazing, beautiful-looking, kind of like a gorgeous glider-looking kind of plane. Um, do, you. do you see that um, type of technology ever being integrated to, to uh, airplanes, general aviation airplanes or other kinds of airplanes? Do you see that having a, playing a relevant role, or is it just not enough generation? Yeah, so the we have a, a solar airplane uh, research uh, project underway. Uh, at smaller scale, we've been flying a solar electric UAV uh, for for eight or ten years now. It's actually in production, uh, and it's helping fight fires uh, here in the U.S. No and 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 government and military service around the world. The uh, larger scale airplanes, like the Strato Airnet that you see there, as a piloted airplane with a very long wing in sunshine during the day, there's more than enough solar energy to fly the plane. There's an, the, the motor is supplied two to three kilowatts uh, from the sunshine through the solar cells, um, and the electric motor needs about one and a half to two kilowatts so there's actually an excess uh, depending on the time of day now as you get into morning early hours or later e evening hours of course the battery is supplementing the energy from from the lack of sunshine but there are many many patrol duties maritime uh, patrol the uh, the research uh, requirements, the the survey of, of pipelines and power lines, uh, security, of course, for ports, um, fisheries, uh, many many roles that airplanes play in a in a patrol type of configuration. And mm. our view is that initially, as a piloted airplane, a solar electric <laughs> configuration is viable even today. That's amazing. That's amazing to think that this stuff is all right in front of us. So we see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, opportunity for shifting the whole the entire aviation industry is really what I'm hearing. It's not really isolated to one particular uh, one particular area like like you were just describing a bunch of different uh, subcategories. But Indeed. it really is the Indeed. entire in industry is in upheaval. There's this great opportunity to shift things in a very positive direction. Uh, we really we uh, truly believe that that. That is our goal. Our aim in the next two to three years and five years out is to really help this transition to electric. 
Is there any solar electric? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything? Do you have any predictions uh, in terms of the rate of where this is going to go over the next, you know, three, four years? Do you see uh, people using electric aircraft in their lives in in that soon a time frame? I I really do. Three to five years is, of course, a ramp up or kind of a a staging process. Uh, The the ability to scale uh, and the integration of new technology is all within the immediate or near-term capability. What's interesting, uh, and again, Ampere is doing this as well, is the what we call the, the FAA certification process. That's and, what I was going to ask next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, this is a brand new, you know, this hasn't been done before. And so it's a little bit of a kind of a pioneering effort to go from known to unknown and working together with the FAA to achieve this new certification criteria with the world's first, literally, we are certifying the world's first electric airplane. And um, that's that's a bit of an unknown journey. Having said that, we've been doing it now in, in collaboration with the FAA for, for well over a year. So the progress has been substantial. And we really believe we have a roadmap now together with them to uh, have a successful outcome in the next year and a half or two years. Oh, wow, that's soon. So I, I noticed one uh, article, and there's a bunch out there about all the great work you're doing, uh, but they were talking about the um, the plane, because of its low operational cost, being potentially uh, being a preferable mode of transport to like driving for like a, a few hundred miles. Is that part of this this kind of first uh, first approach? It, it is indeed. As I was mentioning earlier, the E-Flyer 2 is a two-seat training airplane, but the four-seat version, which comes, you know, it's a little bit of a stretched, longer fuselage uh, with greater payload and four seats, provides for that immediate uh, urban or, or a, a, a metropolitan urban me- uh, area to be serviced with electric aircraft. And of course, it's so inexpensive to fly per operating hour, three to five dollars of electricity re- required per flight hour, that it's actually less expensive to fly than it is to drive. That's unbelievable. And you know, we don't have a lot of time left, but I have to ask the question, does it turn into a robot plane, like, uh, like the <laughs> Tesla uh, autonomous, you know, level one through five autonomous kind of route? I, I, I love that question, and certainly that technology is coming, and, and we have flown uh, UAVs, robot airplanes, yeah. if you will, of course at the smaller scale, but when you scale larger and you, you carry people, the technology, the redundancy, and the safety, of course, goes way, way up. All right. So that's, that's a little bit down the road still uh, for airplanes. Perfect place but you, uh, but, to. But you do you do have commitments <laughs> for people to buy these, right? Yeah, there's oh, a yes, whole bunch, yeah. right? We're people are making uh, purchase deposits today, and and we're happy to make a reservation for people interested in these airplanes. Our website is is buyaerospace.com, and we we of course look forward to speaking to anybody that's interested in electric aviation. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us on air. That's been this has been George uh, Bye with Bye Aerospace, and I just doing amazing things with electric electrification of aviation. Uh, we are sponsored by Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. We appreciate your time today, George. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great weekend, uh, folks, and aloha Friday. <laughs>